Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for You know, back when I used to work in the radio field work, I know I'm on the radio now, but I used to work on radio transmitters. There was a time I would work on a transmitter and I'd think, man, I wish I was the guy going through the transmitter instead of the guy working on the transmitter. So (laughs) that was then uh, when I did that kind of work. But now I'm glad to be going through radios now. But back in my former radio days, when I did field work to go work on transmitters, If ever a transmitter failed, I was required to go out wherever it was and fix it right now, not later. Because, I mean, imagine if a transmitter goes down and your phone doesn't work. Everybody wants their cell phone to work, right? Well, if your radio in your car didn't work, I mean, that's information. That's for some people, that information is money. When a transmitter failed, I had to go fix that transmitter with great urgency because there was a lot riding on that transmitter. Now, what if my boss had told me, hey, you need to go fix a transmitter in on the other side of Texas and you need to get on it and get after it now? And what if I told him, yeah, you know, I'll do it later. Uh, I'll, I'll get around to it eventually, just not right now. Well, then that would show that I really didn't care. I would probably be fired for it, too. Well, today we're going to see two stories about urgent faith where somebody had to do something now. And it's not one of those I'll do it later things because there's a lot riding on it. Let's get into 2 Kings 4, Urgent Faith, with the story about Elisha and the widow's oil. Verse 1, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Okay, a little information about back in those ancient days. If somebody owed a debt and died, it was a normal practice for the creditors to come and take their children as slaves to work off the debt. Now, being a widow, she was about to lose the remainder of her entire family, and they were the only people that would have taken care of her needs. Now, in those days, widows were forgotten. They were discarded, ignored. Nobody cared about them. So you can see that her life was about to be ruined. If her sons got taken away to go work off this debt, who would take care of her? Okay, so already in just one verse, we have a debt, we have slavery, we have a cost that needs paying, and we also have somebody calling to be saved. Now, this sounds a lot like the gospel message, doesn't it? So let's move on, Second Kings 4 and 2. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. 
And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. (laughs) What? I've got one little jar of oil. And you're telling me to pour that little jar into all the all the jars I can find, all the vessels I can find, and set aside the what the did you say the full ones? <laughs> That's what I'd be thinking. So the miracle that she was promised is that her small little jar would fill up all the empty vessels that she could get her hands on, and so she was motivated. I mean, with the threat of losing her family, also losing her own livelihood. Her son's taken away to be slaves. All this, she was motivated with urgent faith to search out the whole town of every jar she could possibly get her hands on. I mean, wouldn't you? Second Kings 4 and 5. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. (laughs) And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Isn't that amazing? The oil stopped right when she filled all the vessels she got, okay? But guys, wouldn't you have just loved to have seen that miracle happen? Would you not have loved to just bend behind those closed doors and watch them pour from one jar into all the jars and it just kept going and going and going? I mean, any jar they could get their hands on, they got it. So they poured from one small jar and they filled one jar to the next, to the next. Oh my God, it's still pouring. Bring me another one. Oh, it just did another one. Wow. And it just kept going. But the oil, it says it ran out at the last jar that they got at that very last vessel. This means that she and her sons were blessed according to their faith. They were measured by their faith. How many jars they were going to go get, that would demonstrate their faithfulness, how much they would go grab and bring back to the house. Then the oil ran out according to how much faith they put into it. So you see how the urgent faith worked here, right? Now, it's very important that Elisha told them to do this behind closed doors. This would be to keep the thieves and the money-hungry people from finding out that they had this oil factory going on. They would People would be trying to make money off of them and put them right back into slavery again. They'd show up with all these jars. Hey, fill these up now. Now fill these up so that they could make a profit off of it. Friends, this was God's own personal blessing for her family to be saved from their debt of slavery. This was not to to make a a mass production factory system for the entire city or anything. It it was going to generate some greed, and you knew that would have happened. So Elisha was protecting them. You go close your doors. 2 Kings 4 and 7. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Oh, guys, I'm telling you, I would have just loved to have seen that miracle happen, but wouldn't you have loved to have been there when she told Elisha what happened? Oh, my gosh, the oil just kept, it, it just kept, shh, don't, don't talk. Oh, my God, the oil just kept pouring. It was awesome. You know, keep it quiet. Don't let everybody know. <laughs> but look how Elisha told her to pay off the debt. Plus, her and her sons could live off the rest of it. This means that not only Did she have enough oil to pay off the immediate pending debt? Not only was her family saved from destruction, but the Lord had also provided them with enough abundance 
to last them for the rest of their lives. So let's consider that this woman lived in Israel during a time of great apostasy. That means everybody's fallen from the Lord. They're into sin, Baal worship. Everybody's a mess. It's crazy. Now, in the past chapters, we have seen king after king after king, generations of rulers. They were spreading the worship of a false god called Baal. And most of Israel was in a state of unbelief as well as following a false god, this false god Baal. Now, add on top of this problem the fact that this woman was a widow. Now, in that day, widows were considered the lowest of the low. They don't have a husband to take care of them. And if she was to lose her sons, that would be even worse. But they were at the bottom. And they usually never had anybody to defend them or to provide for them, except for any surviving family members, which is why she probably would not have survived if her sons had been taken away from her. And so here was this poor widow. She had a huge debt. She was about to lose her family. She's living in an apostate nation that is selfish. They don't believe in helping nobody. She was several layers deep in trouble. She didn't just have trouble. She didn't just have two layers of trouble. She was like multiple multiple layers down in it. But even in such an impossibly bad situation as this, the Lord God still provided for whoever would be faithful to him. That's what's great about our God. No matter how deep your problems are, if you'll just be faithful, he'll work it out. And so we have yet another story of another woman now that the Lord had helped. Now, remember back in these ancient times, women were regarded as absolutely inferior. And so the culture that these stories were written to back in the day when they wrote it, that audience that would have read it, typically a lot of them would have been men who would have never dared to think that God would do so much for even women. So this next story is kind of like a double dose story of what we just read. It's another story for all those guys out there that were still too thick-headed to get it. (laughs) So here we are in 2 Kings 4 and 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be when he comes to us, he can turn in there. Okay, so we just went from a poor widow woman that had no food, no money, and now we're hearing about a notable woman. That means she had food, she had money, she had great influence, she was notable. Everybody knew her. She apparently had some kind of power. So we just got taken from one extreme side of the spectrum to the other. There's one that was very poor and one who was very well off. Friends, what this shows us is that everybody has needs, regardless of their stature, and the Lord is willing to work through everybody, regardless of where they rank in society. So this notable woman had enough that she wanted to make a free place for Elisha to stay She wanted him to have a place to study. We'll put a lamp and a table. He can lay down, whatever he wants. We'll do everything we can to help this guy because he's doing God's work. What a good deal for for Elisha. This is great. 2 Kings 4.11. And it happened one day that he came there, and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his 
And, and for for those of you who know Hebrew, I don't. Okay, I'm Texan redneck, and if I said Gehazi wrong, then that's just it. Okay, <laughs> verse twelve. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, "Call this Shunammite woman." When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, "Say now to her, look, you have been concerned with us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king?" or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. Okay, Elisha here, he was so appreciative of all her hospitality that that he, he wanted to do something for her, whatever it was he could do. I think Elisha thought maybe she had some kind of a need that she felt awkward about that she really didn't want to ask for unless Elisha made an offer for her to ask. So he put it out there. So when she said, I dwell among my own people, that meant she was saying, I'm totally content with how life is. I'm I'm good where I'm at. She didn't have a particular thing to ask for. But Elisha really wanted to give something back for all her generosity. 2 Kings 4 and 14. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. Okay, here we go. Even though she said, I'm fine with how things are, Gehazi knew that she didn't have a son. And at that time, having no children, that was something that a woman really wanted. When they lacked children, it was a deep down pain. And let me ask you, have you ever really, really wanted something, but you felt, oh, it's just not for me. I guess it's just not my lot in life to have it. It's for everybody else but me. You know, you ever felt that way? I mean, it's it's just not mine to have. I think that's how this woman was feeling, so she didn't even bother to bring it up. Why even ask for it? It's not going to happen anyway. Now, even though she was well off and notable, she carried this deep down private pain of defeat within her. So the widow woman we read about, she sold the miracle oil for money and she was able to buy her way out of trouble, but This notable rich woman, she had a problem that money would never be able to fix. You couldn't fix this one with money. But friends, I'll tell you, there's one man that really knows how a woman thinks. Wouldn't you like to know who that guy is? There's one guy out there that knows how a woman thinks. Friends, the Lord knew her thoughts, and he was about to act. Now remember, at this point, she hadn't told Elisha anything yet. 2 Kings 4.15 So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, About this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maid servant. <laughs> I think she was shocked <laughs> that Elijah even said this. I mean, he just kind of bam, he just hit her. You're going to have a son in a year. I mean, this was the very pain that she had kept a quiet secret from everybody. And suddenly he just hit her. You're going to have a son in a year. I mean, she didn't tell anybody nothing. And he says this. So he picked up on it from the Lord that this is what she really wanted. And she didn't know how to react to it. She just kind of, it kind of burst out of her. Like what? Up front, she had no agenda with Elisha. She just wanted to help him out. And then this hits. I mean, friends, she thought this was a lie, but her emotions indicated as it just erupted out of her. This was too big of a lie for her to bear if it was a lie. This is too much. No, don't do this to me. 
You can see, friends, how this was something she had carried for a long, long time. Second Kings 4 and 17, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her, and the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. Wait a minute, this is not one of those happily ever after stories, right? It's not quite there yet. Well, in the heat of the workday, after her son had grown up a bit, her son had this sudden violently bad headache and and died. I mean, he wasn't just sick, friends. He didn't just pass out. He was dead. So instead of cry and wail and curse God's name for it and shake her fist at the Lord, how dare you tease me? I told you not to lie to me. What did she do? She laid him on Elisha's bed and she took action. Urgent faith, friends. She took action to consult with the Lord again. Friends, consider that this woman had seen what faith could do during the entire year that she had waited to have a son. Plus, through all the time that the child grew, however old he was, we don't know, but she saw him grow up. So she didn't just break out of control in all despair and freak out and go crazy. Oh, Lord, why did you do this Do this to me? What did she do? She moved again by urgent faith. She acted to inquire of the Lord. So she asked her husband for transportation to make a run out to Elisha, the man of God. Second Kings 4 and 23. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Okay, friends, I want you to notice that she did not tell her husband that their son had died, okay? Now, in our culture today, I have to say this. I'm sorry, but not sorry, but I've got to say it. Ladies, this story does not give you the biblical permission to keep things from your husband so that you can work around him, okay? Just because a woman in the Bible did something like this, it does not give all women permission to do the same. However, I think the text offers us some clues as to why she did this. She didn't tell him what was wrong. She said everything is all right when it wasn't. Now, let's look at what the text gave us. I don't think her husband was faithful. I, I think he was religiously ritualistic because he said, it's not the Sabbath or the new moon. He was kind of thinking, why do you want to consult with the Lord when there's no special religious day happening? It's kind of like somebody saying, well, why do you want to pray? It's not Sunday. I mean, <laughs> well, we should pray all the time. Yeah, well, there's no special thing going on. I mean, it's not. Why do you want to go see the man of God? What's the big deal here? I think it's highly possible that even after this man saw the Lord's blessing of getting this son, he was not a faithful believer. He was just a superficial, ritualistic man of mere religiousness. He just he didn't have it. Okay, not like she did. I think it's probable 
that she was running by faith and he was not. So since time was critical, she didn't want to waste time in some kind of a bullheaded religious argument that would just get him all wound up. So she said, hey, everything's fine. Everything's okay. Just because she wanted to get on a donkey and book it down to Elisha as quick as she could get there. Again, ladies, uh, wives, this is not your permission slip to disregard and work around your husband. Let's just keep it close to the context of the story here, okay? He was not operating by faith. He was never going to get it. She was. She's urgent. She's desperate. Maybe she didn't handle it the best. Don't take this as your permission slip. So she's going to get down to Elisha now in 2 Kings 4 and 25. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Okay, just like she said to her husband, everything's okay, everything's fine. She said the same thing to Gehazi, everything's all right. So I'm going to reemphasize that this was not a matter of her working around anybody. She was simply trying to get directly to the Lord's prophet as quickly as possible. She was trying to take her matter directly to the Lord first. If there's anything we can learn from this passage, it's really the main idea is this. Anytime you have a desperate situation, the first thing you need to do is take it up with the Lord. You need to pray. Okay, that's what she's trying to do here. She's taking it up with the Lord. So Elisha, he recognized her grief that was so extreme that only a mother could have for her children. He, This is a mom's pain here that he saw. Something's wrong. What's up with the husband, the child? Something's going. Who is it? The Lord often gave his prophets foreknowledge up front, but this time he didn't. Remember, King Ahab's wife was disguised and came to that prophet, and the Lord said, Hey, by the way, that's Ahab's wife. She's dressed up different, so just want you to know it's her, right? You, you, couldn't, you can't sneak around these prophets, but for some reason, the Lord did not tell Elisha. Now, her act of grasping Elisha's feet, that was an extreme act of humility. It was an act of need. It was a desperate act that she had something very wrong, and he didn't know what it was. Second Kings 4 and 28. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Okay, she's saying like, I didn't ask for, the, I didn't ask for this son. It's kind of like, why did the Lord give me a son only to take him out already? She's hurt. She Maybe she's a little mad. I don't know. But let me say this here. I previously advised the women how not to work around their husband. So now for the men, here's one for you now, okay? I'm, I'm jumping on everybody today. <laughs> this is biblical advice on how to listen to a woman. Listen to her. Notice that she did not actually tell Elisha why she was there. As a woman, her first words were not to say what happened, but to express how she felt about what happened. Okay, this woman erupted with her emotions. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.